everybody. This is Never Heard of a Podcast. I'm Sean Harwell, and this is a show where we talk about the movies that have fallen through the cracks. Craig Moorhead is here today, as always. Craig, how are you, sir? Sean, I'm doing just fine. Uh, yeah, just just having a good weekend. Just just uh, capping it off with this little conversation with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always a fine way to to end the weekend and and get ready for the work week. You know what I mean? I do. However, Craig. Oh. We're recording this on October 11th, but if I have my math right, this may drop on November 4th, which I don't know if that day Man. means anything to you or not. Uh, but uh, well, Sean, all I can say is, I mean, can you believe what happened? Yeah, just we're we're really in in uncharted territory right now. Mm-hmm. It's uh, just uh, first of my lifetime, you know. I, it it feels like yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm glad it's I'm, I'm glad we're done with it for now, and uh, I mean, just good luck out there to everybody. We're going to look like such jerks, I think. Uh, <laughs> there's no way around that. Yeah, yeah so we are recording yeah. in the middle of October, and I do want to just address that because I don't see any reason why we wouldn't keep our normal schedule, but uh, understand why some of you may be disappointed or overjoyed listening to this if you listen yes. to it the day that it dropped, and let's just hope that uh, things went the way that benefits everyone. Exactly. That benefits the most people. Yeah. And uh, uh, through people. through through the years, not just now, but uh, beyond now. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm gonna also throw in a oh god, just just yeah. in case, you know. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. But I, I do think though we we're kind of hedging our bets a little bit with the two movies we're gonna talk about this month because I think the one we're gonna tee up today, you know, it's it's got this upbeat feel to it just right in the title. But then the second one this month has the word sadness right in the title. So I feel like you know either way the month goes, we got you covered, right? Yeah, absolutely. You're you're gonna have either some way to celebrate or something to really sink your feelings <laughs> into. Yeah. Yeah. One way or the other. One's about kind of yeah sadness and revenge and the other one seems like it's a party so yeah let's get ready man let's start with the party yeah and uh so we're excited about that and of course it's nice to have you back you know what we do with these tf episodes we talk about all the fun stuff behind the scenes and then next week we'll be back can give you our thoughts and opinions on the movie and so craig you want to tell people where they can come say hello if they check out the movie between now and then as well and want to share their thoughts i would absolutely love to so again assuming that the internet hasn't been taken down. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or worse, uh, honestly. I mean, or, wor- it, it could or be worse. Much worse. Yeah. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely it right. Could be the least of the, our concerns. Yeah. The, the internet is probably going to survive us all. Mm-hmm. Let's just hope that's longer than one month. Yeah. So if you wanted to get in touch with us, uh, you can find us on Twitter at Never Podcast. Find us on Facebook at Never Podcast. Instagram, you'll find us at NHOIT Podcast. And uh, any of those places, you can get, get in touch with us. Let us know if there's a movie you want us to watch, talk about, or, I mean, honestly, better yet, there's just a movie you feel really strongly about that you wish more people saw. That's really the kind of thing we're, we're looking for. That That's the, you know, it's a, you hadn't heard about it very much mm-hmm. in your lifetime, but you love it. Uh, we'd love to hear about it. So, uh, yeah, if you can do that. And, and then, you know, if, if you're then looking for the episode in which we talk about the movie that you loved throughout your entire childhood... You can find it on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, Anchor, Overcast, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and CastBox. Among, I believe there are some others. No matter what, wherever you do find us, if you can uh, subscribe and leave a review, that would really help us out, help people find the, the podcast and uh, make our, 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 our army of resistance bigger. No, that's, that's, <laughs> that seems a little too, that's a little negative. I like to call it the KISS army. 
Uh, well, yeah, Kiss Army. We're just talking yeah. about Kiss Army. Everybody can get behind that, right? Probably not. Sean, speaking of getting behind things, uh, <laughs> let's not let's not get behind uh, in our duties uh, to talk about talking about the, the the movies that we're doing this month. Yeah, let's get to it. And this month we do have a suggestion from Heath Michaels, and the film is called Rock and Rule from 1983. And uh, Heath is going to be so kind as to join us. He's he's been on before when we talked about Quest for Fire and independent filmmaker, and I believe he. What was a quote? He said, "This is the best movie he's ever seen in his entire life." So, and he's he's about seven, eight years old. How old is he? Um, no, no, he's like seventy-eight years old. Oh wow! And, okay, well, that's yeah. now we're talking about something. Yeah, and he did put that in that quote in writing. So, look forward to discussing that with him. And first, let me give you a tea up. Uh, not a tea up. Let me give you a log line, Craig. I'll, I'll take it. Okay, so Rock and Rule is an animated movie. That's going to be the theme of our our month here. We haven't done. I don't think we've done a single animated film, have we, Craig? We've we've talked about movies that had some animation in them. Not that I can recall. I think you're right. Yeah. So I'm super excited about that. And this one again is from 1983. It's an hour and 17 minutes long in various versions. But here's the logline. IMDb says this is about a malevolent rock star who kidnaps a singer to force her to participate in the summoning of a demon, and her band must help her stop him. Mm. Been there, been there, Man, got the t-shirt, has, really? you know? Yeah, absolutely. Very universal. Uh, Craig, so why don't you fill us in on who made this, and then I'll talk a little bit about how they made it. Okay. So, yeah, the you know, the title is Rock and Rule. It's the best movie Heath Michaels, filmmaker Heath Michaels has ever seen in his entire life. Mm-hmm. It was directed by Clive Smith. Now, Clive Smith has been in animation since about 1977, He's done a ton of work. He has 78 producing credits wow. alone, and that's not all he's done. Uh, and they're on animated TV shows like Babar and Adventures of Tintin and Care Bears and the the, the animated Beetlejuice show. And uh, he was an animator on Yellow Submarine. Oh wow! Uh, his yeah, his, his his directing work. He he directed the TV show Star Wars Droids uh and family dog do you remember that now that was an amazing <laughs> stories episode as i remember do you remember family dog no it started as a as an amazing stories episode really and and became a like a short-lived tv series as i remember uh pretty pretty good stuff but that's clive smith i mean he's he is an uh, an animation he's not animated i was gonna say he's an animated <laughs> force to be reckoned with but it i don't, might be I, you know? i'm not sure yeah i mean I, yeah it's, it's, let's I'm, i don't want to mean to you know, sell our animated brethren short, but I don't think he's animated. Uh, but but he has done a ton of work, and that alone kind of made me excited. The more I went through this, I got really excited about seeing this because yeah, it just it really feels like something where a lot of people who have a lot of experience in animation, kind of saying, let's do let's do the thing that we really want to do. Let's do the thing we really want to see. Yeah. Uh, just because there's there's so. I, I can't think of a lot of other things that look like this. I mean, I know there are a couple things out there that are kind of like it maybe, but it's pretty few and far between. Mm. So I'm, I'm happy to see it out there. So the movie was written, the story uh, is credited to Patrick Lubert, possibly Lubert. I'm going to say Lubert though. I think it's Lubert. Lubert. Now, Patrick has uh, lots of credits himself. He seems to be... Uh, uh, a compatriot of, of Clive Smith's. Uh, he, he, he's done work on the Magic School Bus, Adventures of Tintin, Babar. Babar or Babar? Well, Babar. 
like Babar, Babar is a little Babar. Babar. Uh, the Beetlejuice show. Uh, again, very much in the Clive Smith uh, universe. Uh, also, Peter Sauter. Uh, also on Care Bear, Star Wars droids, Babar. Uh, very Clive Smith heavy. The screenplay is credited to Peter Sauter and John Halfpenny. Halfpenny? Halfpenny. I want to guess that he's English. Only a haypenny will do. Only a haypenny will do. He, John Haypenny wrote, uh, I'm sorry, John Halfpenny. <laughs> See, I did it there, yeah. You did it. You, you, you switched my brain around. Uh, now, he did write one episode of the Beetlejuice TV show, but he was uh, also seems to be a colleague of, of these fine folks. Additional dialogue. I found this interesting. We have uh, people um, credited with additional dialogue. We've got Anna Bork. I'm guessing, boy. Borke, I doubt. Possibly. <laughs> that's Bork. That's Bork, right? Yeah. As a hockey fan, I can tell you for with confidence okay. that's Bork. Oh, yes. fantastic. Uh, it's Bork. Now, uh, Anna, mostly known, uh, I, I, I assume... She's done a lot of work in animation departments on on Rock and Rule, for instance, on uh, some shorts. Uh, there's one TV short, Intergalactic Thanksgiving, or Please Don't Eat the Planet, for instance. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she also uh, did writing work on on series like Watership Down. That was a series in, oh, in wow. 2000. Uh, and, and she has three acting credits, one on a short called Permission, another on a, on a short called Take Me Up to the Ball Game. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't, it's about an elevator who loves MLB. Mm. But uh, we, <laughs> the uh, but she obviously also contributed somewhat to the movie. She's she does a voice in the movie. We've got Greg Duffel, possibly Duffel, <laughs> also has acting credits on such shows as Inspector Gadget, uh, Babar, and also involved in animation departments of. Such shows as uh, Superior Duck, Another Froggy Evening. Oh, yeah. Remember, yeah, remember no, that from WB? I don't, but yeah. Oh. But anyway, Ren and Stimpy, regardless. <sighs> yeah. Uh, actor, animator. I'm kind of wondering if this is how I could get into, like, get my acting career started. First, I learn how to draw. Okay. Become an animator. Easy. And then it seems like a lateral move from there. You just, then you become an actor. It's possible, you know. I mean, you got to yeah. have somebody voicing those parts. In fact, I know in Bugs Life, the guy that did the voice of the bee, the bumblebee, or the, he was a fat caterpillar, and then he turns into the bumblebee. Yeah. Or butterfly. I am completely out of my mind. Butterfly. I mean, they're, that is they're how all the, the insect kingdom works. Yeah, that guy was, <laughs> exactly. he was, he worked at Pixar in the animation department or on the story and just did the temp voice, and they liked it so much that, that he got to be in the movie, I think. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so what happens, Craig? It does happen. And we'll I get think your that's, star yet. That's the way I got to do it. So n- next we have Larry Mullen. Larry, again, someone who just has credits all over the place. Ton of producer credits on such things as Fantasy Island, Beverly Hills 90210, 30 writing credits. Hmm. Yeah, all kinds of great stuff. Got some WWE in there. Wow. Got some uh, some uh, Chips. Chips is in there. But uh, acting-wise... Uh, you, you would have heard his voice in the Star Wars Holiday Special from 1978. Hey, uh. Oh, it was, hey, yeah. I, uh, I thought I was, I was waiting for you to add something to that. No, I'm sorry. But that's okay. No, that's quite all right. That's Larry Mullen. Then we've got Deanne Stillman, 
we're still in the writing category. I'd like <laughs> to remind you, we're yeah. still in the writing category. Fortunately, there's only 67 people in the cast, so it was, just hang on here, folks. Yeah, no, it shouldn't, shouldn't be a problem. Yeah. Now, uh, Dan seems to be mostly a writer, and she wrote on such shows as A Different World, um, also wrote on the show Square Pegs. Do you remember the show Square Pegs? A little bit, but I'll tell you, I loved A Different World. I definitely watched the hell yeah. out of that. Yeah. Well, absolutely. What, I mean, Square A Different Pegs? World. So Square Pegs, it was like early, early 80s, like 82, 83. It might have only been one season. Serica just... Serica. <laughs> yes, as soon as you said <laughs> I call Sarica, her Serica. I know who you're talking about, yes. Yeah. Sarah Jessica Parker was in it. Jamie Gertz was in it. Mm-hmm. It was like a high school sitcom. I don't remember anything about it other than when I was a kid. I loved that show. It was Square Pegs. Yeah, you did. Uh, anyway, she wrote on that. We have a nice pedigree. Finally, David Young, who is also a writer. I mean, it's additional dialogue. What do writers do? Part mm-hmm. of it is writing dialogue. Yep. You got to admit. Uh, he did some writing on Fraggle Rock. And and uh, what do we got here? Do South. Remember Do South? Kind of, yeah. It's kind of weird. So it's a show that was created by uh, Paul Haggis. Oh, was it? The, okay. That I didn't 90s. know. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, kind of interesting. But that wraps up our writing. Guys, this 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 movie was just written half to death. It was just, oh mm-hmm. boy, did they write a lot on this movie. Regardless, uh, also some people produced it. Now we've got Michael Harrison, uh, who also produced a movie called Lies My Father Told Me, which sounds really familiar, but I, I couldn't place it. We've got Michael Hirsch, also known for producing such uh, TV shows as... The Adventures of Tintin, hey. and Beetlejuice, and Babar. Noticing a trend. We've got, I know, yeah, it's it's uh, got got a tight knit group of friends here. We've got Ted Kernahan. I'm gonna guess it's Kernahan. Ted also produced something called Nelvanimation Two. Hmm. That's a movie that was starring the voices of Phil Silvers and Garrett Morris. I could not figure out what Nelvanimation 2 exactly was outside of being a showcase for animation, it seemed. I have a, a clue uh, oh, good. that I'll get into with that, okay? Excellent. Looking forward to it. Then we've got Patrick Lubert yet again. He's, a, he's that Clive Smith guy. Our music is from Patricia Cullen. She did music. Uh, she composed music for the Care Bears Adventure in Wonderland, the Care Bears movie, Care Bears movie 2, Hey, among other things, she wasn't just Care Bears, but I'm not gonna lie. I think I saw the Care Bear movie, Care Bears movie in the theater, Greg. I don't know if I saw it, Sean, but I do think it was a big deal. Yeah, that like, first like one. they weren't they weren't skimping on that first one. Yeah. Anyway, our DP is Lenora Hume. This is her one and only DP credit. Uh, she's known as a producer on lots of Clive Smith stuff. Our casting is from Arlene Berman, who also did casting on Star Wars Droids. Ewoks, another uh, animated show, mm-hmm. and Care Bears. And now we're right down to our voice actors. Sean, are you ready for this? I am. It's pretty exciting. This is where things got very uh, uh, um, um, Loud. Uh, recognizable to me. Okay. I think. We've got Don Franks as Mock. Now, Don Franks, you would have heard in such movies as Grimaldi. That's from, uh, that's not a movie. You would have heard him as Grimaldi okay. in the movie Heavy Metal. Ah, okay. Uh, and you might remember him as Chief Newbie in the original My Bloody F- uh, Valentine. 
Hmm. <laughs> I was going to say My Bloody Frankenstein. <laughs> that um, needs to happen. Be, that is a good title. I mean, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm going to write it down. Uh, I, I feel like there's room for it. Yes. We've got Greg Salada. Salada? Salada. That's definitely Greg Salada. Mm. Greg plays Omar. Greg, uh, you would you will hear as Fowler in the upcoming Chicken Run 2. Oh. You would also remember him, and I know you remember him, Sean, as Ted Bartolo from the sitcom Kate and Alley. I Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe. I remember yeah. Kate and Alley a little bit. I don't remember that name. Oh, you're a big Jane Curtin fan. You're well, not going to miss an episode of Kate and Alley. Oh, my curtain's always open, yep. I, yeah, that's that's what all you c- curtain heads say. <laughs> so, I do like Jane Curtin, though. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, I don't mean to make that sound like uh, like it's foolish to like Jane Curtin because I, right. I certainly do, uh, and I hope she's listening. She is. Okay. Her curtains are I, open. I, her curtains always open for little Jane. Now we've got Susan Roman as Angel. She's doing the voice of Angel. Mm. Uh, you'd have also heard her playing the the role of Girl in Heavy Metal. Mm. Uh, Snowy. On the Adventures of Tintin, I've never watched the Adventures of Tintin. I saw the Spielberg thing. That's about it. I, I didn't even get through that. Yeah. Although maybe I, I should give it. that a shot again, but it looks exciting. Yeah. Samantha Langevin. Langevin. I'm gonna go with Langevin on this one. Yeah. Good call. Samantha Langevin as Mox Computer. Now you would have seen her as Sister Janine and Agnes of God, among other credits. Hmm. Here's where things start to get a little crazy, Sean. Uh oh. We've got, in this movie, credited kind of far down the list, honestly, Catherine O'Hara as Aunt Edith. Now, it's Catherine O'Hara. For some of our younger listeners, maybe you're seven or eight years old, (laughs) you would have seen Catherine O'Hara in such movies as Home Alone, uh, Best in Show, A Mighty Wind, uh, Beetlejuice, oddly enough. You would have seen her in the movie of that. Uh, the, The television show Schitt's Creek. All, all good things. You, you almost, you really can't ever go wrong with Catherine O'Hara. Yep. Next up, we've got the voice of Debbie Harry as Angel's singing voice. Yes. Yeah. You would have remembered Debbie Harry from such things as the band Blondie and possibly Your Dreams. And Videodrome. Hello. And Videodrome. I'm sorry. Videodrome. Yeah. Actually, she has quite an interesting acting career. Yeah. Like, look that up on IMDb and then check out her movies. Uh, we've got Paul Lamott as Omar mm-hmm. and well that's interesting I didn't think about this before <laughs> though I definitely should have eh? because we've got Greg Salata as Omar we've got Paul Lamott as Omar I Omar got, go I got some info on that front oh interesting yeah. well Paul Lamott uh, you would have seen in American Graffiti in Lonesome Dove we've got Iggy Pop as the monster from another dimension we've got Lou Reed as Mock's singing voice. And finally, we've got Robin Zander as Omar's singing voice. Robin Zander, you would remember from such things as the band Cheap Trick. Oh, yeah. That is everything I've got on this movie. I feel like I've been talking for 45 <laughs> minutes. Well, but I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say, Sean. And I just want to point out that, you know, we were kind of uh, like amazed and baffled by the, the list of crew and cast on Watermelon Woman. Mm-hmm. This movie, I think, has a longer crew list. I, I think they got to beat. I mean, if you went, Possibly. good Lord, the uh, animation department is just. Oh, yeah. Long. So, yeah, that, but that's typical with animated films. So Indeed. 
Yes, thank you, Craig. Uh, it's all interesting stuff. So uh, here's why some of the names sound a little different and uh, sound a little as if they work frequently. And um, it's it's because of Canada, Craig, of course. Of course. Man. So Rock and Roll is actually the first Canadian animated feature to be produced in English. Uh, Le Village Enchanté. It was a wow. 1956 production from Quebec, which was the first animated feature out of Canada, period. So we're talking about not a ton of animated movies coming out of Canada to begin with. Uh, not features, I don't think, or at least right. obviously not in English. I mean, this is definitely uh, a new thing here. They started making this movie and developing it in 1978, and it was intended at the time to be something for a much younger audience and I think what, what the final product will reveal. And it was originally called Drats, D-R-A-T-S, exclamation point, which is a great title, I think, that especially is. at that time. And it did have a similar concept that sort of centered around a post-apocalyptic rock band, but in the version known as Drats, the band was like these fuzzy creatures, right? And they had evolved from rats, and so I think they had a little bit of a rat look to them and were around, and humans had been wiped out at this point. Part of this was because the animators thought, well, it'll be easier to animate, you know, cartoony-looking characters instead of humans, which I, I have to imagine that's absolutely true. But as the movie evolved and the development evolved, they, they gradually became more humanistic and... You know, there is, is certainly an interesting relationship with Hollywood that this film has, which we'll get to in a little bit. But it said that, you know, some of their acquaintances from Hollywood, and I'm assuming by that they just mean those that have experience with kind of like a wider release thing, encourage mm -hmm. them to skew the tone towards an older audience at the time, which is interesting, right? Because yeah. um, that probably would not be the case uh, f very often with animated features, right? They just tend to be geared for children overall, I think. But yeah, maybe absolutely. there was a period here where you had Lord of the Rings and uh, and Heavy Metal and some other stuff maybe that's, that's going a little older. But there apparently is a TV special that this group made in 1978 called The Devil and Daniel Mouse. And it apparently has quite some similarity in uh, just general concept and look. So that might be kind of interesting to find at some point. I think some of the reason for all this additional dialogue is that apparently it began without a really well-defined script. And I don't think that's terribly unusual. I was lucky enough to attend a Zoom recently with Susanna Grant, who worked, uh, well, she wrote Aaron Brockovich. But she yeah. also worked on Pocahontas, and she talked about that, because there's like 25 people listed in the screenwriting credits of that. It, <laughs> So many of them were just animators. You know, they worked in the story editing department uh, for animation yeah. and, you know, they make those movies kind of as they go and change the story. So I think some of that was the same case here. So they'd work on sequences, develop the story, they'd leave holes and then they'd add more layers, etc. cetera. Uh, interestingly, yeah, there's some obviously rock pedigree in this movie, but they had also gone out to David Bowie, Tim Curry, Michael Jackson, Mick Jagger and Sting um, all of them considered just simply for the role of mock, but ultimately it said the budget would not allow any of them to be in the movie, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. The character mock that Don France Franks ended up voicing, the full name was actually intended to be mock swagger, 
But apparently the reps uh, for Mick Jagger did not uh, take too kindly to that and forced them to change it. Oh, so, wow. yeah, I don't know if there's a cease and desist letter at some point. I mean, it feels like that is, like, can you really do that? Like, is that illegal to name right. a character that's kind of in the same vein as a public figure? I don't, I don't think so. I don't know. Could be yeah. wrong about that. Anyway, it's maybe they just parody, did it out maybe. of politeness. Yeah. Stretch. There's a character named Stretch. You mentioned Greg uh, DeFell or Duffel. Probably mm-hmm. DeFell. Apparently, that was actually originally voiced and was recorded by Howie Mandel. Oh. But Mandel moved from Toronto, and I knew he was Canadian, but I had forgotten that, uh, to L.A. and became too busy to finish the recording. So they had to redub all of the dialogue, which is kind of interesting. It's like, yeah. oh, when are too busy or like too successful to not be busy? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um He's like, yeah, I'm going to leave this behind. But yeah, it's kind of, I mean, he, he obviously does a ton of voices or used to. Yeah. So it kind of makes sense. You can see that. He should, he should finish it now. He should. They should go back and redo it. Yeah. Mm. Um, what is he doing? Nothing. That's not, not true. Right. So this movie costs $8 million to make. And that's a lot. Yeah. And, in 83 um, for an animated movie, maybe. Yeah. The studio that made this in Canada was named Nelvana, Craig. Uh-huh. And this movie put them out of business. Oh. Uh, over 300 animators worked on this film, and I believe that given what I saw on IMDb there. And uh, this studio had been around since 71 and now exists in, I think, a slightly different version, obviously, than the one that was around at the time. But yeah, just a ton of like really interesting credits. You mentioned a bunch of them. One of the ones I saw was Three Amigos. And I don't, was there animation in that or an animated title sequence or anything in Three Amigos? I don't remember there being I don't animation either. in it. Maybe in, the, maybe in the movie part where they're watching the movies, maybe there was some animation. Oh, I don't maybe. remember that. Uh, but yeah, you mentioned the Star Wars Holiday Special. And I had forgot about this. And if I have my trivia correct, the animation segment in that film or that TV special was the first appearance of the character of Boba Fett. So I, 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 that sounds right. Some of these animators are probably the ones that, you know, define the look of that character to a degree. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Inspector Gadget was one that stood out to me as well. They did the first season of that. They did, uh, along with the Beetlejuice animated series, which is something I definitely remember watching, uh, the never ending stories animated, never ending mm-hmm. story animated series, which yeah. I forgot about. Uh, there was an Ace Ventura animated series. They worked on that. They did a Free Willy animated series, Tales from the Crypt Keeper, Robocop yeah. live action series, which was, I think, one of their first live action series that they worked on. Uh, Clone High, which I definitely, I've had students talk about in, in high regards. Uh, a show called The Fairly Odd Parents, which is another more recent one that I know that a lot of people like. And then The Backyard Again's Bubble Guppies, which is something my daughter watched. Um, so, <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, they're, just a major, major player in animation, specifically for younger children. Um, so really interesting. This movie was kind of noted as as having really high quality animation for this era and was done uh, with, you know, mostly photographic techniques for any special effects in the film. But they, they did say that computers were used to generate a few images. And so I'm curious if we will uh, notice which ones. And I'm not positive it didn't say specifically so we'll have to figure it out ourselves um but they also use some practical stuff it said that you know there's a a sequence that features clouds and a sort of bird's eye view shot and they actually use pieces of cotton 
kind of placed on two layers of glass that they put in front of the camera during filming of that. So that's that's kind of cool. And I guess maybe that's like awesome. you know, they took pictures of the cells. Um, so look for that as well. I think that's really interesting. Uh, the soundtrack is kind of a big deal and probably one of the reasons this movie um, maybe has a bit of a cult legacy is those people you mentioned were all involved in the music. And uh, yeah, Iggy Pop, Lou Reed, Cheap Trick, Debbie Harry, Earth, Wind & Fire are all on the soundtrack. But because of the limited release, it never got a proper um, release on, you know, cassette or, or LP or anything. There was a promotional cassette that's floating out there that had nine songs from the movie. But a lot of these songs never, ever appeared in any actual released recording. Um, I know, like, I think one of the Iggy Pop tunes showed up as a B-side in, like, 2012 or something on, a like, a re-release of one of his albums. But uh, it's kind of crazy to think, like, yeah, those huge, huge names, like, had tracks in this thing that just never saw a light of day for 30 freaking years it's nuts well it's nuts and i'm i'm kind of surprised the movie's even available yeah because of that like so many of these movies that have a bunch of big acts or something in them the rights end up getting so screwed up you can't even see it anywhere and it's something we ought to pay attention to when we watch this thing uh because certainly that does happen a lot in a home video it's you know sometimes songs get pulled off of the home video release for that exact reason um so it'll be kind of interesting to see there's various versions of this floating around out there online. Um, but anyway, so MGM picked up this film. And that happened in April of 1982. And apparently, they kind of dumped it. Uh, but mm. this was after insisting that, yes, the character of Omar get redubbed. It was originally by Greg Salata and then replaced by Paul Lamont. So I'm not, again, I'm not sure, like I have some more on like the re-release and restoration and all this stuff, um, but yeah, I'm not positive which you know version we'll end up seeing and who we'll hear. They had them change the prologue to this movie to kind of like help make sense of why the characters do look a little bit like animals and are part animal. There was talk of a war that had already happened that was added to the prologue. I found a site called vhscollector.com and they were sort of reviewing one of the DVD releases. And on the commentary, uh, the filmmakers said that this will sound very familiar, Craig. Uh, there was an executive change at MGM after the oh. film was picked up. And the new folks weren't enthusiastic about it. Surprise, surprise. That's the worst. So, I mean, it, it was in virtually no theaters. It premiered in Boston uh, in April of 83 and then did play New York City and a little bit elsewhere. I mean, it was like floating around in and out of theaters from 83 to 87, I think, at least according to IMDb. But again, just not much there. It showed up on TV in Canada on the CBC in 1985, and they used the original cut with um, Greg Salata with that voice and extra footage. A couple taglines, sound you can see in the movie you can feel. I like that one. Mm, all right. The, the beauty, the beast, the beat. Huh? Huh? Oh, that's that's not bad. That's not too bad, yeah. Uh, in Brazil, this movie was known as Fantasia de Rock, which I like. Uh, I also saw this mentioned as Ring of Power in uh, numerous places. So I, I don't know um, if a ring, uh, like an actual piece of jewelry, figures into the plot somewhere or what. Uh, we'll see. And so, but rock and roll, as far as you know, rock and roll was the preferred title of the creators. Yes, I think so. Okay. I believe so. $8 million budget, according to Box Office Mojo, $30,379 at the box office. Man, they did dump it. Yes. E.T. 
made $2 million the same weekend that Rock and Roll was released, even though E.T. had come out in June of the year before. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. Uh, the number one movie that weekend was Lone Wolf McQuaid, and number two was Flashdance, and that, I think, was the April 15th weekend in 1983. Uh, top 10 of 83... Return of the Jedi, Tootsie, Flashdance, Trading Places, War Games, Octopussy, Staying Alive, Risky Business, Mr. Mom, National Lampoon's Vacation, Superman 3, 48 Hours, Never Say Never Again, which if you're doing your math there, folks, I didn't realize, two Bond movies in one year. And Never Say Never Again is a Warner Brothers film, which of course now, you know, Sony owns the rights, but MGM forever had uh, all the James Bond stuff. And there was a weird writes like lawsuits involving the writer who did the script i think for thunderball so never say never again i think is in a weird way a remake of that or a different version of i I don't know something strange yeah maybe i'm sure a million people know way more about that but i just was like wait a second octopus the same year Uh, but also gandhi jaws 3d and et was still like right up there near the top uh even in 83 so crazy uh number 41 ahead of valley girl crow a christmas story and the right stuff was the movie Max Dugan Returns, which we talked about. Oh, yeah. Uh, but also, uh, 83, we talked about uh, just this season, Craig, with Peter Fiedek, uh when we talked about Brainstorm. So if you want to know more about 83, check out the tee-up for that movie, which was episode seven of season four. So, cool. We've covered 83. This movie, um, you know, got... A, I didn't find a ton of reviews from the time. Janet Maslin did review this, although it was like... There were two animated films that she mentioned in sort of like the same review that appeared in the Times. She liked the other one better than Rock and Roll. I don't even remember what it was called. Uh, but the quote I had from her was, The animation, which involves an evil, aging superstar named Mock and his efforts to subvert a pretty young singer named Angel, has an unfortunate way of endowing the male characters with doggy-looking muzzles. And... Like that review got criticized by the fans and I think creators of this movie because it's like, well, yeah, that was intentional. Like that was the point. Anyway, her her like, <laughs> summation of all this was summed up by this line. In any case, the mood is dopey and loud. End quote. So yeah, I don't know. I love it. I'm into that. Um, yeah, but it does have some cult status, and HBO was specifically mentioned as being a uh, a reason for that because it aired frequently on HBO, uh, typically late at night, I believe. And Spin Magazine has since called it, quote, the greatest oddball sci-fi musical ever committed to animation cells. Granted, that's probably a small niche. Sure. Uh, subgenre to place yourself in, but I don't know. It sounds like a cool hey, one to me, nonetheless. The top spot is the top spot, man. Yeah. you gotta I'm going to assume that that's partially why this is Heath Michaels' favorite movie of all time. Yeah, I don't know. Because, yeah, he, he probably saw it a, a trillion times on HBO as a kid. Probably. We'll just really have to grill him on that. Yeah. So, a couple different versions, as I mentioned, uh, especially with this just being a Canadian production, which was later purchased um, for U.S. distribution by a Hollywood studio. There's crazy rumors that parts of the Canadian version um, were destroyed in a fire in the from the Masters uh, after that broadcast on CBC. Uh, there's a very supposedly good dvd from 2005 that was just praised for the restoration work it it did but i'm not sure like which cut exactly is on there or maybe there's more than one here's a little interesting tidbit about this movie for all you comic book nerd holes out there 
You know who you are. Nerd holes. So Marvel Comics did an adaptation of this movie. It was released as a Marvel Super Special, issue number 25. And that's just kind of fascinating for a movie that basically was not in theaters, right? Yeah. And it used a ton of imagery from the film itself, you know, which is kind of cool. And then they added text and narration bubbles, all of it. You can find a good chunk of this reprinted online. Um, if you Google a uh, site called Blog Into Mystery and the title of this film, you'll find it. Really interesting article there. They also showed that in this comic, there was an article about the music in the film, which I think is, again, probably the biggest draw here, maybe. And the director mentioned that, you know, Stretch and Omar look a lot like Rick Nielsen and Robin Sander of Cheap Trick. I don't know. I saw a little picture and I'm like, okay, that might be a bit of a stretch, but we'll see. And um, the finale in this film is sung by both Robin Zander and Deborah Harry. Deborah Harry. <laughs> Sorry, Debbie. Mm. Um, Debbie Harry. Which I, you know, that, that's kind of rad. I didn't know that they like did a duet, and I can kind of see that's that awesome. working in my head uh, as imagining it. Yeah. And um, what's also really cool about that, they they talked about it just being very unique at the time, which is certainly something that. I think most musicians would probably take for granted these days, uh, and I know happens all the time, is that it was essentially recorded uh, without them ever meeting or doing any of it in person. They said, the, you know, Cheap Trick was touring and all over the place, and, uh, you know, so was Blondie, and her guitarist um, would record tracks, and then they'd send the tapes to Cheap Trick and whatever, blah, 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 and they would add their their, their parts. And, yeah, they never met in uh, person once, which is... Uh, Probably Crazy. not something that happened a ton in, in 83, right? Yeah. Uh, they also got a quote from Lou Reed in, in this article in the Marvel Super Special. And quote, he said, I liked Mock. He reminded me of myself in some ways. I identified with Mock. I thought he was the most literate character in the cartoon, end quote. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. What, I'm curious to see like what, they, what he means by literate exactly uh, yeah. in this film. But there you have it. That's all I got. I, I feel like any movie um, that's animated and has Lou Reed and, and Debbie Harry and uh, Iggy Pop and Cheap Trick involved in any capacity is something I need to see. So I'm super excited. Can't leave out Earth, Wind and Fire. I mean, they're at the top of the poster that's on IMDb. Uh, we'll see what we get, right? Yeah, this uh, yeah, this sounds like nothing. Else. Well, you know, what? it sounds like one thing I can think of slightly which would be phantom of the paradise yeah for some reason like it just sort of reminds me of that a little bit but i mean i have no idea i have no idea what i'm in for outside of it's going to be animated and there will be some rock and roll tunes why am i blanking on the movie we did that had the word crazy in the title <laughs> do you know what i'm talking about not off the top of my head all right give me two oh, seconds oh yeah crazy um, um um also from 1983 get crazy was that from 83 yeah Okay. Yeah. Get crazy. I, I, I feel like, yeah, in some ways, I mean, that wasn't sci-fi, but it had no, that no, no. kind of like, oh, there's well, a it leaving. Did, it did kind of have a, yeah. These like rock and roll folks kind of thrown in there. Yeah. Maybe this is like an animated version of that, which I'd, I'd be super duper happy. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, yeah. I, I, I need something to, to double feature with uh, Get Crazy. Yeah. And anyway, yeah. we'll wax nostalgic about the time when like, not only was it cool to put the word rock in the title of a movie, but also like in rock songs itself, you know, if you could sing a song that's rock and roll that was about rock and roll, it was like even better. So maybe we'll get a little of that too. But uh, yeah, the movie's out there. Go check it out. We'll be back next time to uh, 
tell you what we thought, and we should have Heath Michaels in tow with us so we can get some more feedback on that quote. And uh, Craig, last words are yours. Uh, mock swagger, man. That's it. Mm, mock indeed. swagger. All right. See you all next time. Bye. Bye-bye.